The Incomparable Number 245 May 2015 Welcome back everybody to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host Jason Snell and this is a very special edition of The Incomparable. We all went, well all those who are going to be on this episode went together and watched a film in a movie theater and now we are gathered around a table eating pizza and drinking various beverages to discuss with you Avengers Age of Ultron. His age is very low. He was just created the other day. Joining me uh, on this field trip and adventure are the following wonderful people. Tony Sindelar is here. Hello, Tony. Hi, Jason. Uh, are you not going to no, know? You've moved on past your catchphrase, haven't you? I'm, I'm not a machine. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, John Syracuse is here. Hello, John. You're going out of order. You've got us around a table, literally, and you just skipped... Well, right there's, 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 I got reasons. There's moving microphones around. All right, fine. It's like, it's like tightening the screws around, like, <laughs> around a piece of technology. You go opposite corners. That way it all lines up by the time you finish. We've already learned several lessons, including you need to talk into the microphone or nobody can hear you, and we're completely out of order. Dan Morin is also here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Welcome and, to my fine home. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for inviting us uh, or, or for not turning us away when we just barged in. I tried. There was no option. Yeah. Andy and Ako, you heard earlier, not talk. You didn't hear earlier, not talking into a microphone. Now he will talk into a microphone. Hello. I'm sorry. I'm not used to being in such a fine, fine environment for podcasting <laughs> as this. Sofas, tables. I'm usually just there with in my own filth. Uh, on your on, <laughs> in your on your lonesome. You may you all may remember Andy from that episode of The Incomparable where he said that the Avengers was a B minus movie and everybody lost their minds. I, I, was B it the, minus. Was Literally, it, was, you said B minus. Was it B minus or the phrase? It's a good. It's on the level of a Transformers movie. Uh, well, I mean, that's uh, not, uh, that's yeah, when people yeah, lost that, their I minds. Think, I think that was it. Now that I remember, that, that's when I tried to reach through the microphone and that doesn't work. And Serenity Caldwell is also here. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm eating pizza right now. Well, aren't we all? Yes. But that's that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun of of, uh, of the Age of Ultron. The Age of Ultron includes pizza. Ultron supports pizza. So we saw a movie. It was The Avengers. It had lots of stuff in it. Does anybody uh, want to get started with some of their impressions about uh, Age of Ultron? Tony, do you have any thoughts? Tony's giving me the stink eye. <laughs> do you do that all the time when I ask you questions and I just can't see it? Yeah, you can't see it. That's my uh, Jason's talking voice. Oh, uh, no. So... Uh, well, I just saw it, so I'm still processing it, but I enjoyed it. Well, it's time for a podcast, you so know, stop processing so and start outputting, man. It was, you know, it was your, your pretty standard, exciting, lots of CGI action movie uh, things, lots of robots getting destroyed, so people who are pro-robot may not want to ah. see this movie. It, you may have... You may be you upset. May, yeah, trigger warning for people who love robots, so... <laughs> All right, so let's let's um, we're talking about the you talk about the explosions and things blowing up. I, I think that might be a good place to start. One of the things that struck me about this movie is it is a it is a summer blockbuster kind of movie, yes. right? So there are lots of explosions and things blowing. But Jason, up. I would say the stuff that happens in between the explosions is probably more interesting and possibly better. Well, that's that's what I was going to get at. Is I I I am I am happy that there were. Do not give that man a microphone. <laughs> I, I am happy that 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 there are explosions because movies with explosions are fun. That that said, I I think the um, I think the strength of this movie that I felt was that I I we know these characters we've seen them in a lot of movies. There were interactions that were helped by having a history with the characters. They they uh, there were some funny interactions. There were some interactions that I liked. I, I enjoyed that. In the moments, sometimes I see movies like this that are blockbusters, and in the moments between the explosions, I am just bored and wanting to go to the next explosion. And I didn't feel that in this movie. Now, Andy Anatko is holding a microphone, so he, I'm, I'm now, uh, I cede the rest of my time to him. No, I just, I was, I, I, I like this more than I like the first movie. 
And because re- re- all, all the this de- podcast is over, there you go. <laughs> it's not because I'm getting free pizza out of the deal, which I did not get out of the first time that I saw the movie. It's true. Disclose that. Yes. <laughs> full, full, full disclosure. I'm in the pocket of deep incomparable Big pizza. Uh, Big pizza. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did like remember that the what I really didn't like about the first one was that I was sincerely bored to tears two thirds. I just completely had checked out, and, and I still think this movie had a lot of problems, but. I think one of the reasons why I did like it more was that there were a lot of these moments where they're going to say there's going to be no explosions, we're go- without without any spoilers of any kind, we're going to have a lot of re- scenes in which characters get to really get inside their own heads and have conversations, and that's when this movie got really interesting for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, John, what do you think? You can give me my opening statement, but if I had one, it, it, it would be... <laughs> it's, it, there's like, been very little time to prepare yeah. an opening statement. Two things. One, well, I had seen the movie earlier. So he, was, he, was, he was in the car. He was writing in the car. He's got blue cards. He's got blue cards. What I told you at the end of the movie is exactly what I felt when I was watching the movie. This was a giant F.U. to Zack Snyder and Superman <laughs> films. Like In the beginning, I'm like, oh, they're taking a couple little jabs at him. Oh, actually, another jab. Actually, not, actually, it's a main theme of this movie that <laughs> is, he's making Superman movies let, wrong. Let's like, save a, people oh, in the in the right. in the cities and worry about the little people. Yeah. Also, so, let's it do it so together, big, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so stupid though. But I know. But anyway, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was one. And the second impression was that boy, there are a lot of things in this movie. There's a lot of characters. Yeah. A lot of things happen. It's just a tremendous amount of stuff. And seeing it the second time. I'm looking at how they put it together, and it's like, it's amazing they jammed all this crap in, but at some point, it's like, you have too many characters. You have too many people well, in this movie. You have too many things taking place, and I think they did an admirable job of sewing it all together, but I don't know if you can sustainably make a, a really great movie with this much crap in it. At what point <laughs> is this a completely different genre, right? I mean, I, I read a couple of articles that, that weren't reviews, but said... It's kind of like watching an entire season of a TV yes, show exactly. right. boiled into a movie. And I understand that the first cut of this movie was more than three hours long and, and included way more character stuff. And they just – you can't make a movie that long. And it's like I actually would like to see that. But but at some point in the genre, if you are selling a, a ticket. Yeah. You are selling a ticket in a movie theater. You can't do well, the seven-hour-long Avengers that would probably be pretty good because it would then be a Joss Whedon – TV show. Miniseries. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I actually think, despite the fact that this movie is jam-packed full of stuff, they really did do an admirable job at making it a fun, interesting movie to watch. Like, I think about some of the other, you know, really big ensemble movies that kind of fall a little bit more flat on their faces, or certain characters don't get shaded out or fleshed. And I'm like, I'm looking at this movie, and some of the characters that we really haven't seen get enough screen time, um, Hawkeye being one of them, actually gets a fully fleshed out backstory yeah. in the middle of all of this insanity. And I'm like, wait, how, how did that just happen? We have, we're following 12 other people. We're battling robots, and we have time to learn about like what what he's like behind the bow and arrow. Like, yeah. and Linda Cardellini. When did she become yeah. a mom figure? I remember when she was just a little high school kid Same. on Freaks and Clint, Geeks. Clint goddamn Barton for MVP of this movie because uh, uh, Hawkeye got yeah. totally underutilized. He got the shaft in the first movie, not the fun oh. arrow shaft. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, but I think that you, you're you totally will be here all week. This is your <laughs> house. <laughs> My house. I live here. <laughs> Well, you know, it's the flip side of putting up, you know, a lot of people looked at Daredevil on Netflix and said, like, this reads like a 13-hour movie. Well, this reads like a three-hour TV show, right? Like, that's kind of – I totally agree with you, Jason, that this is kind of a different genre in that way. And it felt like 
if they could convince stars that big and get a budget that big for TV, they would have done it on TV sure. or Netflix. And maybe some point in the future, that will be a thing because Netflix seems to be really interested in making I, programming. I had but, a moment where I thought maybe they should have just made the four hour long version and cut it in two and sold two tickets for it. That's but, the yeah. plan for the I next one. But it's not a movie. At <laughs> yeah, point, it's, I, not, it's not a film, right? It's part of an extension like the Harry Potter movies, which felt like episodes of a, of a show. Yeah, but the Harry Potter movies, you, they are like they are explicitly saying this is a one story in seven right. parts and if you start with part one and again truck on through that you'll get the whole story my problem with the my overarching problem with today's movie was like with most marvel movies coherence is not there uh, focus is not there there are times where I, I was saying on the way in that i wish i wish there were a way you could buy a ticket to avengers where i will give them 50 percent of whatever it would have cost me to buy all the tickets to all the other movies i need to see all the other dvds i need to go through to understand everything that's going on in this movie like okay so the shield doesn't exist anymore who's hydra and why does that not do anything and nick fury, what nick yeah. fury how come he's not in okay it all makes sense but you do have to have seen captain america the winter soldier it's an investment yeah they have like a blank check in this movie that's the the problem like the feeling you get with these movies is like i, I agree with jason that i feel like this is unsustainable you can't keep doing this like this i think this is the limit and it's amazing that they did <laughs> that's good because the could. next avengers movie is going to get cut in two so right well you're right <laughs> yeah because it's too much stuff and the second thing is it's a blank check it's not harry potter it's not a series of books that's going to have an arc or something it's like Blank check Marvel Universe. Well, and if you I look at comic books, right, that's open ended. Comic know, books go it, for hundreds of issues. But can right? you do that? No, you movies? can't. You but can't. This, Absolutely. But this, isn't a comic book. but this isn't a comic book. This is a movie. The user interface yeah. is you will get one unit of entertainment for your $10 and your two and a half hours of so time. I, I, and this is what I'm saying is I like the ambition of it. Like, the, Marvel really is saying, what if we push this into something that, it, I mean, and yes, it's commerce too. The first movie made a billion dollars, but it is the ambition of, like, what if we can tell these stories over many, many movies? But it, it's no longer a movie at that point. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think that having the history of seeing these characters in the past adds to your appreciation of them. Like Serenity said, you know, seeing seeing Clint Barton and his family, it, it, it's it, he's helped by that. Remembering him in the first movie being kind of a zombie for most of the movie, he gets a lot of character service at this time, and that's really great to see. And I, I enjoyed all the character action. That's the thing that I will take away from this movie more than anything else, is that... Um, that Joss Whedon did a really good job of making every moment with those people when they weren't blowing things up matter in some way. And as a fan of Star Trek, I remember like in Star Trek 3, they're like, well, we got to give Uhura something to do. She'll put a guy in a closet uh, by threatening to shoot him with a phaser. And, and it's so hard to service those seven characters. And, and here there are like a billion characters. And yet somehow... I feel like they did a decent job of giving them all some stuff to do and some funny lines and some character motivation. And that's a that's a neat trick in the context. Of, I feel like this is very similar to the first movie in the sense it's like it's a big corporate fandango where every, where it's got a million characters in it. How could this be entertaining? And the answer is, oh, actually, given the, the strictures here did a pretty good job well, you know given their track record i'll i'll sign their blank check more or less like i think it's okay to to have this sort of open-ended it goes on forever type of thing but i think the problem with the avengers as an idea as a franchise is that it is necessarily the superhero movie with a whole bunch of superheroes in it which mm -hmm. if dc ever gets to their justice league thing they'll have the same damn problem or x-men right oh, and yeah. x-men i think it works better because they're kind of they're, it's x-men it's one unit it's a family collective, sort of collective yeah. noun right but you can't 
like the individual Marvel movies. I like Captain America, the individual movies better than this movie. Like all the individual ones that I like, I like better than it's like instead of putting them all together, you less than the sum of the parts. I'd rather see movies focusing on because if you have just one movie about Captain America, you get to enjoy Captain America. And when I see him here, I'm like, yeah, I like that guy from those other movies. He's great as Captain America. But the same is true. I, you know, I like him as Iron Man. He's great as Iron Man. And maybe I like Scarlett Johansson as uh, Black Widow, too. But like. Now but they're all in the same get movie. Her own movie so. Right. She doesn't, yeah. get her, she doesn't get her own. You know what I mean? Like, and that I want to see, like, if you want to do this, if you want to take, like, hey, we had all these great guys in the movies, let's put them in this thing where they all go together. You need to do it as a TV series. You can't put them all in a single movie. Yeah. No, I mean, they're trying to get those moments where they interact with each other because they're the stars of their own movies who now get to interact with each other. And that can be very funny. The Thor really was well handled in this movie too that you get the whole thing with the i mean he doesn't do a lot he gets to be quippy but, but he has he, no real arc. but uh, yeah he has no he has no arc which i think is okay because no. many of thor's movies bore me to tears so but he introduces the arc for avengers 3 and the next yeah. phase of marvel and that's pretty stay tuned everybody well i mean that is pretty huge it unfortunately it is it is narrative dressing and he and someone has to be the person to do it but i think the way in that that was all set up was very well done where I, I like the fact that we get introduced to uh, I forget what what's the actual name of Scarlet Witch who's her character name Wanda, Wanda Maximoff. Maximoff yeah so <laughs> nerds assemble yes, hooray um, but we get introduced to a lot of fu- potential future events through Wanda's uh, you know psychic brain alterations and the fact that we finally get a name for the Infinity Stones and it's or the Infinity Gems and it's said and it's like Oh yeah, this is a thing. This is dangerous. Heads up, everybody! Remember those things that we've seen in previous Marvel movies. This is going to be a problem, and then we get a mid-credit scene of, uh, "Oh yeah, this is really going to be a problem." Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. I I feel like, despite the fact that it was super packed, every single member of the Avengers had a qualified arc, mostly. I mean, I'm I'm still kind of eye rolling at both Natasha and the Hulk in terms of like I actually think that was very sweet. I think the the romance arc was done very well, but you take that out and I'm like, okay, what actually what what is Natasha's arc here aside from a couple of really awesome Black Widow flashbacks? Now I really want that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh that's never going to come because <laughs> holy crap. Um that those those few moments I was like, "Oh man, I just yeah, that would be beautiful." But yeah, um and and you get Bruce Banner where we talk about the lullaby and we talk about a couple of other things. And I'm like, when did all of this happen? Because I've seen all of the movies and none of this is a thing. Because Hulk doesn't get his own movies either yeah. anymore. No, he ruined exactly. that chance. That, wouldn't that be a great movie? The Black Widow Hulk movie. <laughs> we should do that. That should be a sitcom. Yeah. That should be a straight to Netflix sitcom. <laughs> the search. The search for the Hulk. Honey, but, but, I'm Hulk. But you, but you hit a problem. Yeah, Hulk is on movie, but Hulk smash. They gave us two of his own movies. They were both pretty smashed. You hit upon one of the things that I liked so much more about this movie than the last one. I thought that last one, Natasha was sort of the 21st century version of a poorly drawn female character where she really is there to be strong and a butt kicker and to have no dip, but no depth whatsoever and not a cat suit that can zip up to the neck. Whereas I feel as though they really, they, they, they allowed her to show weakness and then go over her weakness and show why she is so good at her job. And you can only do that by throwing this character, throwing a character into situations in which they, you don't know if they're going to be able to get out of that. Okay. And that's something that was, that was brand new. I think for this movie, you can roll your eyes at the, um, well, okay, we're, we paired these two characters together, and Natasha's expressing romantic yeah. feelings for for Bruce Banner. But, but it was 
the, what was good about it is it was a pathway into some character understanding for the Black Widow, which I really liked where she says, you're the guy who tries not to kill people, and everybody else I know tries to kill people. Yeah, they, <laughs> I liked that. And they gave her, like, in the Captain America movie in particular, in Winter Soldier, she was played off as, like, her whole thing in the beginning was, like, is she playing you or is she not? Can you trust her? Is she really on Nick Fury's secret mission or whatever? And here, in this movie, she was allowed to be vulnerable, like, for the first time, where you where you didn't think the movie was trying to fool you into thinking that she wasn't really, like, it was legitimate. And what she had was doubts about her job. Like, maybe I could go live someplace else and not kill people for a living and talking about how, you know, the fact that she couldn't have kids made her think, well, I guess I better just kill, you know, because that's their arc. The two of them are like, you know what? We should blow this popsicle stand. Like, yeah. they don't, we don't want to be in the Avengers anymore. Yeah. Their their particular doubt and drama is private from everybody else, which I like more or less, and that it involves something non-superhero-ish. It's like, you know what? This is I agree. annoying. Well, I, it's saving the world. I also like that we spent so much time in this case with the two normal human characters, right? Both both Black Widow and Hawkeye get a lot of screen time and a lot of story. Uh, and both of them were underutilized in the first movie. And we've seen the standalone movies for Iron Man and for uh, Captain America and for Thor. And so in some ways, it's okay if they don't get as much screen time. Of course, Tony Stark is going to because Tony Stark is always going to be the prima donna. Um, and But it, it's nice to see the characters who don't get their own films to actually get a, a, a large amount of screen time. Yeah. I kind of felt like this was the first time that Black Widow and Hawkeye get to have basically wants and needs and aren't just being sent places by Nick Fury. You know, yeah. you know like they get to actually do stuff and have interest in Turns out, you know, Clint's been doing stuff on the side for a long time that now we get to find out about. But yeah, he's not I, just, I'm being sent places by Nick Fury. I have a bow and arrow. That's and it what, explains that's his, his loyalty to Nick Fury, too, yeah. that he's like, he set up this thing out in the country. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that scene is, it is, it is an important dramatic structural thing, right? That is the, they get their butts kicked. They have to recede and uh, lick their wounds mm -hmm. and think about what they've done and then realize they've got a new plan of attack. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I like that. I like that scene. And I like the fact that, that Hawkeye is, uh, has a family and all of that in there. I also like that it's the it's that disconnected like we literally can't be superheroes right now. We just need to be people. And, and yeah, and I thought that was I thought that was fun and effective. Uh, we will continue this conversation in a moment, but right now I'm going to live in a room with people. Read you our first sponsor. Our first sponsor of the of the evening is uh, is a uh, a graphic novel. It's, this is a new one for us. So. My my question for all of you: What what if you could fly? What if everyone else just had the ability to fly one day? That is what the new comic Bizarre New World is all about. It's similar in tone to uh, some classic stuff like Back to the Future. It's a fun comedy fantasy. It's grounded in the real world. There are no superheroes, no capes, no capes, no aliens, no genies and lamps. You can check out a preview at BizarreNewWorld.com to get a taste of what this Bizarre New World is like. The story follows an ordinary guy, Paul Crutchmer, who is the fir world's first flying man. Unfortunately, his status as the only flying man is short-lived, when soon everybody else in the human race joins him in the sky and the whole world changes. It's a completely finished 278-page graphic novel. It'll have you hooked from beginning to end. Here's the important information. They've got a Kickstarter going on right now this month, month of May 2015. So search for Bizarre New World at Kickstarter.com and help them make it. If they get it successfully funded, you'll be able to get it digitally or in paperback. Visit Bizarre New World. If you don't know how to spell bizarre, that's B-I-Z-A-R-R-E, NewWorld.com. For more information, and thank you to Bizarre New World for sponsoring this very special live episode of The Incomparable. 
All right. Now, normally I, I read that and then people just keep talking, but now we've had a pause, so I have to I have to throw something else out there. Do people have more? Uh, I, I have a topic. Uh, John Syracuse, <laughs> please give us your topic. That's what I meant to say all along. John Syracuse. There's a lot of this is a big movie, a lot of stuff in it. A lot of the movie we can talk about mechanically. And one part I was interested in uh, is how they do the action scenes, how how they shoot them. Um, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos from people about doing action scenes in different ways. And what did you guys think of the action scenes? How, first of all, how would you categorize these in, in the continuum of like old style uh, movie versus modern shaky cam versus a million cuts? Horrible. I thought the action scenes were mostly terrible. There's no sense for me. There was no sense of rhythm or flow. There was no sense of geography. There was no sense of purpose to these scenes. It was basically. Explosion, special effects, explosion, special effects. So many times my neurological reaction was to basically put both my hands up, just like, huh? What? Okay, so who's shooting? What? Wait a minute, how did Black Widow get there? I just, I, I was just so lost by a lot of the special, a lot of the action scene. I don't think they were well handled at all. I, I don't think, in some ways, I don't think they were quite as good as the first movie in terms of the way that they were shot and like the mechanics of them. Some of them are quite spectacular, and I, I did not have nearly as negative an impression of them as Andy did. But I did think that uh, at sometimes it was hard to follow sort of some of the action because it felt like there were a lot of cuts. There was, I, I give you credit, there was the geography. It sometimes did feel a little bit lacking um, from that right from that opening fight. Um, all the way through the last one. The last one is is obviously weird because you have like a gigantic set piece fight that's like, all right, last time we did New York City, now we're doing like a gigantic like floating, floating rock, city. you know? Um, so I felt the geography was a lot clearer in the floating rock. I felt like maybe yes, it settled was down a little and there were some very clear there pods of action happening yeah. that I didn't feel earlier in the film where it was. The problem is, you know, Ultron is, and we can maybe talk about Ultron in a little bit, Ultron is a collection of robots and a collective noun and obviously obviously um his some of his earlier perhaps robots were not very good because they can like shoot them a couple of times and they die they're like zombies yeah, or stormtroopers exactly i was thinking they're based on stormtrooper technology yeah, because yeah. so you have like you have hawkeye punching an ultron robot in the face and oh my god i'm destroyed i've been punched in the face by hawkeye yep yeah. So so but hey, Clint I, Barton punches you in the face. You're going down, my friend. But I felt like I felt I, like we I haven't, earned, I, I haven't earned the title of Ultron, man. I haven't destroyed the planet five times over and called That's me two alternate realities. Stopped you, Andy. Yet. So so but so far. Anyway, I, I did feel like at the end on the floating rock it was a little bit clearer. Yeah, I mean it was slightly clearer, although it did take me about five to ten minutes into that fight to realize that they were all on the floating rock and some of them were on the city below, which is what I initially thought had happened, because there was the whole I can't remember if it was Captain America or someone was like, All right, those of you on the ground, do this. And I, I think eventually it was, oh yeah, because some of I was them a little can confused fly, there but, too, because there was the yeah. part where they were evacuating the city. But then there seem to still be tons of people in the center of the city, right? Because yeah. the whole idea of the church delineate. was the center. If you, want, if you have a scene where you want to delineate here from there, and you literally take part of the ground and rip it out, you would think that would be the easiest way. And yet, having seen this movie yeah. twice, I can tell you, it's confusing. Who is on what side of the thing and who, like, I don't know how they managed to blow that. Because that's the easy one. Also, by the way, when you have a helicarrier and you're trying to evacuate a, uh, a, a floating rock, what you do is you move the helicarrier's... Uh, Closer. Uh, Parallel um, parking, like, like parking landing, you, you move the like the landing strip right up and butt up, and then you have the super fast guy just move everybody right yeah. on, like on a little loading dock. Although you we don't see send that really, he gets tired, so you don't send really delicate little like hover barges back and forth. <laughs> no, 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 you don't. Avengers: since, Age of Logistics. <laughs> since we're talking about this this scene though, and we brought up before about how much of it seemed to be like a middle finger towards uh, towards the, the Superman movie. 
I kind of dislike I kind of dislike their approach for opposite reasons that whereas Superman is we're going to tear down this entire building and we're not even going to care like what's who's inside it. And there's there is an actual shot scene in which, oh, my God, look at that 10 story building scan for life forms. There's only three people in there and they're all it's huddled together. We can save them. And we're, we're not going to we're not going to let this floating city destroy until we get every last person of these thousands of people. Oh, wait a minute. There's one kid we need to get. We missed one kid. Yeah. So, you know what? I, I it, it's very unrealistic, but I actually watching this movie and I have seen the Zack Snyder film, but or not the Zack Snyder's film, but the, the previous Superman. Um, I don't necessarily think it's so much an F you to Superman as I think all of the Avengers have PTSD from what happened to New York. That, that's, where that's that's, that's, that's where that's what I was getting, the major vibe from that, especially Tony Stark especially. Well yeah, well yes. Tony Stark has has quite a visual PS, PTSD, which we see uh, both in this movie and in other movies, but uh, I really feel like the impetus to like no one dies today, you know, the Doctor Who style vibe is very much because they're all very aware of how the world sees them post New York. I have to, I have to say, um, and this is uh, one of the reasons I like a movie like Cloverfield is that I felt like it was the it was a, the first really like um, post nine eleven. Godzilla movie and it was like what happens when you blow up buildings we know now and it's not all fun I, I feel like the 10 story construction site that, that they that they plowed into with Ultron I thought that was a little too close to home that yeah. was basically yeah. a 9-11 yeah. well, every, with a dust cloud and everything every time we see that in a movie though here's, here's the dilemma this one was on the nose know, though but, but like the, exactly the, the dilemma is like you said we, they, we know how that what that looks like now so if the script says that they collapse a building then the people who are making the movie are going alright well, yeah, we'll do it like we, know collapse, sure. we know what collapsed buildings look like it's not like 9-11 it's like, it's like a collapsed building but the problem is only, you you know. didn't need the big pile of dust. You could have made it like rubble, and it could have been a little different. Instead, it was mining the imagery of exactly. Uh, it, I think it, it was maybe it, a little feel, too far. It feels emotionally manipulative yeah. the way they did that. To, to the point about the no casualties thing, I think particularly we also see, and this is a, a running theme, I think, in a lot of this, is that Captain America solidified his position as the actual leader of the team, and that's very much a Captain America thing, right? Like, he is the paladin. He is the lawful good guy who's going to save everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's a big part of why they're, they're so de- you know determined to get all those people off as they cap and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this thing, and I'm the boss. Well, that's a Hollywood movie thing, too, though. Sure, because, but it's, because, like, it uh, works but, because Captain well, America is, so, like, is like a trope. So in all the superhero <laughs> He's a, movies, like a Western hero, too. Movies, yeah, even going back dies. to like the original <laughs> Superman, is like, look, you can't Realistically speaking, you can't show them saving everybody, and realistically, you can't save everybody. But very frequently, especially in the old Superman movies, our prototype for like superhero movies that are not terrible, they would show him saving a sub- sub- subset of people. And in the same way that a movie compresses down real time into like this condensed sequence, they condense the idea of saving everybody down to saving one or two. And mm-hmm. you can quibble about yeah. it, especially when they have a whole city of like, look, you save three people in that elevator. How many people died when you crashed into the building? You didn't see all them. Right. Like they just, like so. That's why I feel like it's so much of it is like a message, whether it's directed at Zack Snyder or at the audience, and it is ham-fisted and it's silly. But like that's the message they're trying to send. They've constructed this movie to say it's super important to try to not kill innocent civilians when you're running around with superpowers, <laughs> and we're going to do it in statement. a ham. We're going to do it in a ham-fisted way. But that's all Superman was about. All he was ever doing was saving cats out of trees no. and, and capturing women and doing stuff. I, I had a hard time. I felt it was a little a bit of a disconnect with the first scene when they're assaulting the Hydra bunker and like that. I yeah. Well, apparently they don't count because they work for a Hydra, story. even though probably a lot of them probably just recruited from that town because they're blowing stuff up and throwing motorcycles at things and bunkers are exploding and Captain America is shooting pulse beams at everybody and like a lot of 
people got hurt. Like yeah, Captain America says, like we don't kill people, and it's like I just saw you maim like yeah. ten people yeah. who are never going to walk again because you threw a metal shield at them. We don't. But I guess kill they're bad. Good people. Yeah. Well, but I even mean, that's tricky because it's like I mean those guys were shield until like a couple months ago. Yeah. And, they, and they, you you ate in the same cafeteria. So. Yeah. All the insignias have to be You know. And, and and the interesting thing about that those opening scenes in which you, they show shots in which you know the the iron the the iron force drops to bonds. Citizens, we please move along. We will be proud to and. The citizens are like, you're idiots, Avengers stupid Avengers. There's graffiti yeah. with like pictures of, of uh, graffiti, a stencil art of Iron Man with dollar signs marked over his head. And part of it, part of me was wondering, oh, I hope they go into something where, again, I'm I'm the outsider here. I have not seen most of the other movies or or the or the TV shows. But I'm like, isn't that interesting that there's? It's sort of like when after World War II, when both the Russians and the United States were trying to round up Nazi scientists to for their for rocket programs. It's like, why are we supposed to assume that? Baron Strucker, a character that I don't know from this movie, is not a better caretaker of this mystical mm-hmm. object. Why are we assuming that the Avengers should be having it it's now? It's because he's got a monocle. monocle. Yes, <laughs> evil monocle. Evil monocle. Evil monocle. Looking one. Warby Parker sells monocles. Yeah. You're evil, saying that Baron Strucker? Mon- that, the monocle, first scene yeah. where they're assaulting the base just felt it felt like very, very like G.I. Joe. Like we want tons of explosions yeah. and yeah. laser blasts. <laughs> but, er- but everybody's okay. And like, and even there's something about that Jeep. It's like they're going to sell that Jeep. That's yeah. going to fit perfectly with the action figures. Oh, Absolutely. Um, well, it feels a lot like the first Captain America movie at times too, where it's like, oh yeah, we're storming the Nazis. Those are not Nazis are bad. Yeah, exactly. We don't care about the Nazis. But no, Andy, to your point, I actually when they when they go into that, the Avengers go home, and then we get a little bit um, in terms of Scarlet Witch and her brother um, with the oh yeah, Stark bomb came and and you know killed our parents and nearly killed us. Like, that's the thing that I wish... I'm sure they shot it. I'm sure it exists mm-hmm. in the latter part of the movie. But, like, they already... They have their pivotal switch when, basically, she discovers what Ultron is planning to do. And that's awesome. But uh, what I really would have liked to see is the dynamic between her basically facing the the man that she has blamed for killing her parents yeah. and, kill, you know, destroying her way of life for, for 20 years. And that would be interesting to me. That, that's where we get back to my complaint of focus, that they cannot. That's such an interesting thing to explore throughout the movie. But we're going to mention it, but we're moving on. Yeah, well, I think it's clear that he, you know, I appreciate that Joss Whedon put that in there. Right. And, and, and I think that because I think that that is a good element. And I suspect that it was, it was paid off, and there's room. no there's 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 no, I mean, no room. Because, you got a little shorthand for a lot of things, rather than a few fewer things, more with more depth. Everybody's arc has one of these things attached to it. Tony Stark's arc is attached to his past as an arms dealer, and Thor's arc, is, as such as it is, is attached to his like He's got a dream, being a ruler, and everything, and, and to go in a pool. Like, well, and, <laughs> and I, you don't have enough dream, movie, to, and, and, enough and, movie to and to those in. lines. I mean, you know, you have that one line from Ultron about Captain America, where it's like the guy who always needs a war to fight, and like. To, to Tony's point about right, the beginning that was, of that. That was his arc answer. Yeah, line. it's that like, line. well, we already line. saw that in the first, like, the Winter Soldier is basically oh, yeah. the better version of that fleshed out. It's like, oh, just to remind you where we were from the Winter yeah, so, Soldier. So this could, guy is very conflicted. So they could do an entire Iron Man movie. Well, they kind of sort of did. I didn't see three, but it one and two, talking about Tony Stark and his guilt as an arm dealer and the repercussions of, like, but it's just, it's too much to fit in this movie. And speaking of the G.I. Joe assaults in the, in the opening set piece, that's wrapped around back to the, uh, how I felt like the action scenes were in this one. I'm I'm of two minds on it. One, I totally agree that they they did not do a great job of keeping track of where everything is, and it's difficult or whatever. But what I really like were the scenes, believe it or not, where they went all Watchmen and tried to do a comic book panel. Like every oh, once yeah. in a while, they tried yeah. to do a comic book panel. The, sti- the stylized where everybody syncs up slow, and it's in slow, slow motion, motion right? and everybody's and in that, that moment. Times, and every time they did it, I was like, you know what? Thumbs up. 
Like, I mean, Watchmen may have overdone Swelling, it or whatever. The music swells, and you're right. like, superheroes are superheroes. There's a team of superheroes doing the thing together. I don't think they overdid it. I think it was fine, but the rest of the scenes surround that. I felt like they did it better than Avengers 1 in terms of keeping track of where things were. Mm-hmm. For the most part, a couple of fumbles, but, like, just so many moving parts. Like, it's so much easier to do fight scenes in Captain America 2, where there's one guy, one bad guy, right. and you can well, keep track of Even in Avengers, where the only fight scene that involves all of them is the last one, right? Like, so everything leading up to that point is, like, smaller groups of people, like Thor and, and Captain America and Iron Man fight in one scene and then you have like yeah, a couple they, and they smaller work things as a team. like they tried to right. show them as a team that combined their powers can do interesting things together they did all the things they would have to do for for i just don't know if a team of super superhero movies can work or maybe i don't know if a team of superhero movies can be better than avengers 2 i'm not saying avengers 2 was bad but i feel like there's a ceiling on that yeah no that, that's why and we said this for the last movie too that i feel like almost the praise is um given the constraints they did a pretty good job but the constraints are brutal because it's just it's too much stuff. Too much has to be serviced. You got to move the future movies along. You got to service the past movies. You got to give everybody their moment, and you got to blow things up. And what's le- I mean, there's like be, there's no room left. Guy who you flesh out? And You're at 125 percent right. already, and yeah. you haven't even started. Um, I, I think that's totally true. I had I didn't like the first. I thought the first action sequence was fine. I think the problem is they clunky CG right they, off the bat. They Ugh, they not, not great. The purpose of that scene is to set them up. I mean, literally, there are a few other things. You introduce the Scarlet Witch and stuff and, and, and Quicksilver and Hydra, blah, 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 from previous movies. That they're working as a team and they're really good. But, and, and you're, you, but here's the thing. It's, it's long. It's hard fought. It's complicated. And, and yes, we get to see the Avengers in business again. But the point is really to make them victorious so that they can go and celebrate and have the rug pulled out from under them by Ultron. That's the point of that scene. Is you have them do that first scene so that everybody's feeling good, and then they get brought down to Earth. And the problem is the scene goes on too long yeah, for that. Yeah, that was like, that was like it, a set piece I of wanted, any other movie. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted like a, a like a super shiny, almost like easy Avengers victory where they roll in and they're like, "We're so awesome!" So that they're even high because Clint gets injured yeah, and they got to take right. him back. I almost wanted them to just like totally dominate and have Strucker and 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 the and the two. Uh, other other you know uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver like like uh, run away then um, and be just destroyed by the Avengers like they just dominated that would have actually I think been better for the movie because it would have been shorter mm-hmm. and it would have made them up even higher in their estimation of themselves and they would have had further to fall and instead they felt like they had to do another like almost like a climax to a different movie to start this movie and and the movie doesn't really start until Ultron appears so it was like a wasted 20 minutes to me and the reason that scene was so long if you go back through what they were doing is they had to reintroduce every damn character what their powers are what their relationships are to each other like half of that scene was like remember this person and remember how their their relationship with this person was and this person this is their power and you know it's the the constraints of the movie again as, as jason's pointing out like packing the seven person team into a movie is really hard when you can't count on the fact that okay you know all these guys from the last well, movie, well i right? think they did that like imagine so this movie had so many moving parts and they leaned so heavily on the fact that you know who these people are they're just reminding you you've right. seen avengers one right guys like they didn't have to spend the time <laughs> to remind you to, to tell you who these characters are there's no origin stories for anybody it's like just just sort of previously on avengers that previously on avengers takes 20 minutes now yeah and, you know and previously on avengers and agents of shield and captain america <laughs> like just reminding you how all these beasts, like, and if you're caught up on Agents of Shield, they even have the tie-ins with that. It's like, man, unleash the Theta Protocol. Yeah, I mean, I it actually that's that's one thing. Side note, um, for people who are watching Agents of Shield, that is something where I'm kind of like at the end of this movie, what what 
what does this leave for the television show? Um, Avengers Academy? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, um, I... I really wish they had done a shorter fight sequence. I feel like a lot of that was superfluous, especially because you do get hints of that. You get the the henchmen being like, but they're the Avengers, boss. What do you want us to do? <laughs> and I'm good. Never surrender. We I'm going to surrender. surrender. Yeah. <laughs> I'll surrender. Yeah. I, I, but we're, I keep thinking about times that we're evaluating software and hardware and you see a lot of good ideas in there, but there are just too many ideas crammed in there. And a lot of the complaints that I'm making and a couple other people seem to be making is that we don't we don't need this many fight scenes. We don't need these many details. And but the thing is, these are choices that the filmmaker chose to make, maybe with pressures from outside about here are the commercial things we have to do to make this work in the larger universe. But it really is. If you I think you can make a really good superhero team movie work, but you have to decide that we've got seven moving pieces on the field. That means that if we get if we have 100 units of uh, the audience's attention at the start of the movie, we have to spend those wisely. So we're going to give. We're not even going to have aliens are trying to take over the entire world. We're going to say that there is actually a subtle plot at hand that we have to figure out. That's not going to be terribly complicated for us to figure out, but it's a big planet and we have to figure out which three people are actually involved in this. And that gives you the ability to have two people off on one one mission doing one thing, three people off on another mission, one person staying behind to take care of other things. It really is just seems like they're overloading the set. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't talked more about Ultron because I feel like he gets kind of crowded out, and it's like his, his name's in the, in the, in the title. It's in the title. Yeah. And I was going to say we should was, talk about our synthetic I friends. I was kind of anticipating being really excited about Ultron, but and you know there are some parts of him that are amusing, but he does kind of feel like he gets kind of crowded out, and I felt like there were a lot of times where I did not really understand why he was doing what he was yeah. doing, his, his how he was doing it. I did not. I even when they then used the you know the gem to help with vision i was then confused where ultron came from yeah. um because i thought he well, came from the well, scepter he, he has a hand wavy origin he, anyway yeah like, it's not it's not suffice it to say there's a malevolent robot guy <laughs> well, right? that's what they yeah want. That's what i mean i got that he is an evil robot right. guy yeah. he wants everyone dead right, right. But, and, and i think but to, i thought we were going to have this re- i mean you know and i like i thought the voice acting on him was was exciting I thought he was going to be this charismatic villain that was going to be really interesting. Well, and really, he's just an evil robot with many other evil robots standing behind him for when he gets knocked his out. His plan was good. I liked his plan. His plan, his his plan was his, awesome. His meteor, plan was good. Turn right? the because Earth he, into a meteor. He, yeah. Nukes is the obvious option. And they handled mm-hmm. that by saying he wanted the nukes. That was his plan. A. He couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Second plan. Pretty good plan if you want to wipe out humans in the grand scheme of things. It's better than like you know everyone's faucets are going to shoot fire and like, you know, like you know. fracking. You Aliens. would not you would not watch a, a, no. a very political a, Avengers three that's about the dangers of fracking. <laughs> so they're building to that with Sky's power. It's going to be yeah. <laughs> oh god. Uh, no, you know what? Actually, bringing up Ultron brings up my few plot holes with this film. Which is basically like I don't under like as much as I love Tony Stark as Iron Man, I don't understand how Iron Man operates once Ultron comes online or Veronica or any of that. Like Ultron, uh, you know, conceivably goes into the internet and then controls all things yeah, from there on the out. He's hacked the planet, but then yes, he hasn't. He's yeah. hacked the planet, but then Tony like Jarvis is MIA, but Tony Stark can still you know use all of his things. And maybe I mean we we find out later that Jarvis has basically been disassimilated, but kind of in stealth mode and still like tweaking things under the hood. Maybe Jarvis was subconsciously doing all of these things, mm. um, but still like there's that, and then Tony Stark uploads a new 
a new AI and his new AI can't be corrupted apparently, but <laughs> he, he yeah. can't upload a new AI until we've got the, like there's a, there's some hand waving going on there in terms of technology, which is odd because I found that like they do such a good job of acknowledging other potential plot holes where it's like the <laughs> wink and the nudge and the like, let's bring up exactly why this wouldn't work that the plot holes that they don't acknowledge or just feel kind of blatant and confusing to yeah. me. I think, I think this is the least, explicable fault for me of the movie where you have his name is in the title you're creating a brand new character and a brand new villain and he's going to be motivating everything that happens and at the end of the movie all i could think of is that uh, treehouse of horror which there's the evil crusty doll oh here you go there's a switch for good or evil yeah. he, you switched him to evil he has to have better motivation than i'm just an evil robot and i have to wipe out all of humanity why because well, i'm an evil I, robot i don't know if he needs more motivation well, listen, but listen he to needs my voice. Well, well, i feel like the motivation he... it's the it's the misplaced motivation of and they don't say it explicitly i think and that's part of the problem is the misplaced motivation is the only way to get humans to stop killing each other is no, to kill all of no, them no 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 that's like that's that's like going for the tripe of I'm a, like this isn't this isn't his this isn't uh, about Marvel but you see the the trope about I'm a robot but I really want to be a real live human okay we've seen that a thousand times mm -hmm. you have to add depth to that you have to say okay but why does he think that this is the choice why is his motivation to solve this problem this way why do we not get a scene in which he tries to investigate well okay so I'm here to I'm here to basically get humans to be better. Boy, that failed. Boy, I can't talk to these people. Wow, look at these transcripts of these things. It's like, no, I've suddenly instantly decided uh, it, that we have to kill all It's of almost them. like it's the shorthand of like, well, we've seen all those movies, so we know that that wouldn't yeah, work, so like, we just move he, ahead. He gotta, yeah, I wish no, they were working harder. He, They're he, not. It's he got, lazy. He, he does get credit on James Spader does a good job. Yeah. And, and the dialogue when for, he's on... For, for, for an Avengers movie, it's like... Can we do something that adds depth and character, or here's a quip? Well, right, and the let's quips, get shawarma. The quips, the quips are the quips are good. The quips are good, and I, actually, that's when I like Ultron. Is that Ultron's like, you know, he he has, and and, he, and the the quips are serving the purpose of saying he's way ahead of you, right? And I I enjoyed I enjoy that. And I he's think, not bland and tasteless like a lot of robots would be. And yeah. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, robot, it's bland. Most and robots tasteless. do not taste very. All of a sudden, Jarvis has a personality, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jarvis light has gone into the vision and all of a sudden the vision is like humanity is such a strange and unique John, creature Ultron robot or not I'm gonna go with not on that it's on it's in, on character for an AI to make decisions really quickly and only have to explain them later and like mm -hmm. and Andy's right this is a total trope any AI given any task to like save anything having to do with humans always goes through the thing and they show the file footage from the 80s of missiles going off yeah. and then they go the only way to save the humans you are the problem of the planet you keep fighting with each other if I could just get rid of you all the birds and the bees would just be all we were the monster all along right. no other living thing on the planet would kill each other except for all the predators and all the prey animals but never mind it's fine you know like but, the, anyway but, that is a trope but he but they don't show you any of that and I think it's precisely because we've seen it so many other times as soon as he comes into being he's already made that decision well and he's already uh, what they do off screen that I actually kind of like is that he says yeah I'm kind of past that now it's like I'm embracing the fact that I'm going to just take over and be evil and I'm going to yeah. be I'm going to be the new life I mean, form he, on he the planet he might as well have been just but an evil, is, an evil know, maniac he, like, he, he might as well it, it's, it's true I thought it was a fun character but it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense but it was a fun character I enjoyed be. Spader I enjoyed the quips I enjoyed him um being smarter and sort of out Tony Starking Tony Stark I thought that was yeah. all really good so that's the thing that actually that that potentially excited me about Ultron is that they went they had this potential unexplored path where they hint at several times through the movie which is basically 
Ultron is more Tony Stark than either Tony Stark or Ultron would like to admit, and it sends him into an absolute rage, both first in Jarvis mm-hmm. and second he tears that or blows that guy's arm off when he's like, "You, that's stealer. a Tony, yeah, that's a Tony Stark. Yeah, har, har. That was oh. Claw. Oh. That's Claw. Claw is a bad guy in Marvel, and he's got a, like, a little oh, ray gun on his up. arm, yeah. so well, it's totally, yeah. As a result of apparently. Uh-huh. There's apparently a Marvel thing where in all of the Phase 3 movies, someone loses an arm as an homage to Star Wars. <laughs> like, that is apparently a Kevin, Kevin Feige really likes Star Wars. <laughs> of course. No arm done. But, but no, like... <laughs> Poor Andy Serkis. <laughs> Poor Andy Serkis. Poor Andy Serkis. It, it makes me so scene. frustrated, though, because, again, there are there are such hints of, like, this complex, awesome character in Ultron, and I would have loved a dichotomy of, like, Tony Stark, you built a you built a robot to essentially try and replace yourself, and here is we we get that comparison later in the movie, yeah. right? It's like both of them don't you know say they want peace and they have no idea how to you know whether peace is to make the world you know calm or destroy it, and like that that would have been really interesting. Well, yeah. And there and, are bits in the movie, yeah, but it's not. But uh, and, and and I think Andy made this point earlier, which is it's you full credit for putting the bits that are in the movie, but also demerit for stuffing it so full that yeah. that you can't actually get to the we can't we're not picture. we're not we're not entitled to know the process but i mean that's it's to i'm not i i can't fault a movie if i think of a better story going on that they're not telling but nonetheless sometimes that happens and that's i was thinking the exact same thing that you have ultron that's doing the exact same thing that tony stark is doing saying i'm i'm going to reshape the planet in a way that's better for everybody i don't have to ask anybody how to do it cuz i've got the plan and they don't have the plan they'll only get in my way and what what a fascinating movie that would have been well, for for that sake what a fascinating movie if they had sort of picked up on the fact that the rest of the avengers are like okay why did you not tell us you created this planetary threat oh we're on to the next thing it's like I, I'll, I'll, this is the last time I'll well, say it. They but get it's mad just, at him, but they get, they get mad dist- at him really fast because they get, there's they no get, time. They get distracted so – the movie gets distracted from every idea so quickly that there's just no time to really steep in anything. And get- I was going to say, and as much as I like Ultron, I do feel like a lot of times when it's like when Ultron was like having scenes focused around him, I was like, yeah, let's go back to the Avengers. They're more interesting. It's like you couldn't, you couldn't give him the time that was due and as we talked about – all the other characters. His mouth is made of metal, but his lips bend. Yeah, they do. They do bend. Explain it. He's made of liquid metal. I was looking so hard at those plates saying, now, are they saying they're segmented plates that give the effect of flexibility? And when you're distracted magnets, by that, magnets, you also know that you're not magnets, really getting drawn into the drama. Powerful magnets. Powerful. All these things you're talking about, Ultron, like how awesome he could be. And how he's, you're describing a good sci-fi movie. There's no room in this movie. Yeah. Like, there's no, it's hard. no, no, like, no room. Like, there's just, like, you, we want more out of the Avengers, well, let alone. It's like, can we just get rid of all time? I, I kind of appreciate that he jumps yeah. straight to kill all humans, though, because mm-hmm. they could have taken, because it's called Age of Ultron, they could have taken right, no, 20 no, minutes no time. to show him being friendly and helpful, and then he starts killing people, and you're like, you should not kill people. And he's like, actually, I'm going to kill more people. But it's like, there's no time to do yeah, that, it, so let's just move on. It's and sad just, because he just kills people right away. Because we had all these, we had enough new characters that they could have done a movie that was just about. Ultron, Vision, and the Maximoff twins, and that would have been a good movie. But it's like, no, we also have to have all the yeah, adventures. I like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Vision, I had no idea who Vision was or when they introduced it. I'm like, seriously, you're going to introduce a major new character at this point in the movie? I knew he was going to appear. I thought he was going to be like in the la- like in the post credit scene yeah. or something. Not like we're going to show up midway through and he's going to talk and do stuff and have feelings. But he shows up like he. I mean, he just kind of like other than introducing a new character that I assume will play in in the future movies. He just participated in the team and kind of got Tony Stark out of destroying the world again because like, oh, I didn't actually destroy this guy. Look, but you know, I, okay. but so I love here, the vision. 
No, well, I, I love the vision too. I, I think the vision is a pretty cool idea. But again, there's the there's the, the almost climactic point of the movie where you know they've they've got the cradle and they bring the t- cradle to Tony Stark and Tony Stark is getting ready to experiment on the pra- cradle and the twins burst in with Captain America being like. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, you're, you're just going to continue your cycle of destruction. And they just... like L- why Literally, is it- there's a deus ex machina, because yeah. Thor appears and says, you will. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's ridiculous. Because what what makes you think that... Is the, is the message, oh, I created Jarvis all along, and Jar- you know Jarvis developed the true AI all along, and we didn't need the creepy mind gem, and it's all, it's all handy-dandy? Or is it like, Tony Stark, stop falling in things that you don't want to know? Like, sorry, now we're going to have to... Now I have to edit the podcast. <laughs> sorry, Jason. Yeah. I mean, I thought there was going to be, when they did introduce him, like, he was going to be the secret huge weapon and do something special, and then he kind of is just... He another another Ooh. point of view that we have to include in our giant he, fight scene where we're cutting from character to character. He, he, to character be, he becomes the father Mulcahy of the Avengers. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk more about the vision in a minute, but I'm going to take a break for a second to say we are also sponsored this week by MailRoute. Imagine a world without spam, viruses, or bounced email. It is the world of Ultron. I was going to say, <laughs> Ultron can stop all spam. Yes. Uh, Ultron will look at your email and only the legitimate email will be sent to you. Um, MailRoute or Ultron can make this a daily reality. There's no hardware or software to install. It all, lives in, it all lives in the cloud. The cloud can be good or it can be filled with killer robots. In this case... Man was not meant to tamper with the inbox. <laughs> uh, there is no hardware or software to install or maintain. It receives your mail, stores it, passes it on to you. Clean. All of the spam is sent to Ultron. Uh, <laughs> It's easy to set up reliable, trusted by the largest universities and corporations. As a desktop user, you'll find MailRoute's interface simple and intuitive. It's very easy to check and see what mail got filtered and what mail didn't get filtered. Unlike Ultron's interface. Uh, Ultron's interface and Tony Stark's interface, quite frankly. Extremely complicated. If you're an email administrator or an IT professional, they built all of their tools with you in mind. They even have an API for easy account management. It supports features such as LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay... Mailbagging. Mailbagging! Yay! Everything you'd want from people handling your mail. You can start a risk-free trial with no credit card. Just sign up, change your MX records, and your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. It's so simple and effective. There's no good reason not to try it. All listeners to The Incomparable will get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Go to mailroute.net slash Snell now to receive 10% off for a lifetime and a free trial, of course, so you can just try it out and see for yourself. Thank you to MailRoute once again for sponsoring The Incomparable. Do not install Ultron. <laughs> Do not install Ultron. Ultron voids your warranty. Stark Energy is not responsible <laughs> for any damage caused by installing Ultron. <laughs> the, um, the only way to save my mailbox is to destroy it. So when I, when I started That's re- actually true. <laughs> reading The Avengers in the 80s, the, the leaders of the team were Vision and the yeah. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And so to me, that was, a, that was a really fun thing, that these are my Avengers in a way, that the, the 80s Avengers were led by Vision. And I like Paul Bettany in this. I thought it was fun that it's sort of like Jarvis is now got a guy with a body who, and, a, and, and has thing, and a cape. He, he like he's like I, he look, I he wanted there to be Thor a line. He was like, I wanted I'm there like, to be a line about the cape because he wanted, does look at the he, Thor. He and, and like, Thor are, have their capes, and I wanted there to be like nice cape. I, I, well, I also, totally also he's that. like the scene where he could pick up the hammer. I decided he's got a cape. Of course, he can pick up the hammer. Anyway, the cape can pick well, up the no, hammer. He looks at. It's funny because as he like he goes, he flies out. He looks at the city. He looks at his reflection, and you have that initial sort of oh, I'm figuring myself out. He looks at Thor, and he's like, oh, well, Thor's a protector. He has a cape. I guess I should have a cape now. Also. 
mind stat, mind gem. I feel like if you can if you can wield the power of an infinity stone, you can probably pick up and you, you've earned it. a cape. Yeah, well, and a, and a hammer. Yeah. Like, let's be fair. So I, I, I so I agree. It's like. Like with those Batman movies and like Spider-Man 3, there's so many characters here and you're like, you're adding another character. But what I like about the Vision thing uh-oh, is is that uh, the Vision, we're set up that Ultron is going to have his elevation to godhood. Ultron is going to now become uh, all-powerful uh, and he's going to ha- get his new vibranium synthetic body, whatever. We got to stop him. And I like the fact that in the end, what happens is, yes, there's the let's be mad scientist moment, but in the end, it gets turned against him. And you end up creating an, a synthetic life form who is the new evolution of humanity and, and robots that is better than Ultron, but it's not Ultron. I think that's kind of a fun it, little they bit. Have, they have the same power balancing problem they always have in these ensemble movies. Who is more powerful? All of them. This guy, he's completely made of vibranium, and he should be able to take care of Ultron. No, but, but, more or but, less but, in the final fight sequence, they, they, just, they just level everything, and they're just like... Yeah. We're just going to rebalance everything. Everyone punches each other in the face. Because it's superheroes. Like, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, who has ostensibly no powers at all, is punching people in the face with the same ferocity as the guy whose entire body is made from vibranium. He's got an yep. infinity gem in his skull. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you have to do that. Because they're all magic. Movie, yeah. It pulls away from... That's why in the single character movies, you can have these character power moments that are more profound because you're showing a single character's power arc and it's okay for them to be the most powerful. In the ensemble movies... You don't want to do it. And I was kind of uncomfortable all the time they were fighting each other. I don't like it when Captain America is throwing his shield at people inside Tony Stark's lab. I don't like it when Iron Man is fighting the Hulk because that's just, that's comic book like. It's just like, but wait a second, who would win? And sometimes it's like, it's, you know the answer, but they can't have you win. But why are they, like, they're, they need to, as it was said in the movie several times, they need to use their words. Like, when they mm-hmm. disagree with each other, you don't immediately fling your shield at somebody and fire bullets through the floor. Like, seriously, guys. Look, they're we, fighters. Especially not, not in the house. Yeah. Take yeah. that out yeah. of the I really did like the Hulkbuster thing, oh, yeah. though, against my better judgment. Design. They put it really down it. on top of him, and he's on top of it, where he does exactly what no, you would think That's just to, to slow him down. Yeah, that was just, a, yeah, yeah, you can't stop the Hulk. What good is it? You stopped him for three minutes. It gives you time to put the Hulkbuster armor on. And you get the little hydraulic punchy thing that punches him a lot which was really funny i go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep <laughs> yeah come on yeah. can we have a word at least about some of the quippy writing because i know we made fun of all the quips but Stars joss whedon is mcgee at every scene joss whedon is really good at and that's what makes this movie fun i think I is the writing it's funny it's it's legitimately funny especially when as the strength of this movie this movie franchise has always been the characters who are ridiculously super powerful characters are always undercutting themselves like yep. the scene with the hammer where they're hanging out at the beginning and they're all trying to pick up the hammer like it's what do the avengers do when they're not avengers they're hawkeye running you know buildings for people in russian Pizza mob dog. yeah bro. yeah but i i think that that's the the thing the great thing about this movie is when we see those characters as people rather than as superheroes and they're just arguing about a lot of the kind of stupid things that we argue about but like if you put the hammer in an elevator does that count yeah i think i think it's i think it's really really a good character thing for tony stark to keep doing that because he's just it's he will undercut himself and it's a really serious situation which people are terrified for their lives they're convinced there's this rampaging engine of destruction that's green that's just dropped in from nowhere but it's okay for tony stark to be flipping inside the armor it's weirder when you have captain america or natasha or others but they they have more of a dry sense of humor but but trying to trying to fill fill a moment with here's a here's a here's a line that just occurred to me 
here in the writers room. Let's just nope, put that nope, in this character's nope, nope. mouth. I, I could not disagree more. I think I'm that they, they are playing. Not only is it funny and it make, it humanizes them, and it gives you the sense that they are a team and they are they are interacting and that they've been on adventures that we haven't seen. Yeah, and so when Captain America says "language, please," and it becomes a running bit, it's funny because he's from the old times and they, he's like Uncle Grandpa, who's like, but "Oh, these kids today." And I I think it's earned and I think it's funny and I think the movie. I and, and this is why I am inclined to like a movie like this and not like some of those DC movies that they've made because they are so serious and I want to punch them because they're, they take okay, themselves so you're, seriously. But you're, but, you're, but, you're, but, but you're kind of hitting on what I've always thought was my difference between the, rea- the way I react to a DC movie and a Marvel movie. I can't think of any time where I legitimately laughed during a DC movie. I can't think of a time where I legitimately felt an emotional connection to anything happening in a Marvel movie. And I don't know. I'm sad you haven't seen a lot of the Marvel movies. That's a legitimate emotion. I have seen one, two, three. I've seen four Marvel movies. Okay, yeah. maybe I, maybe not, not all ones. of them, but I've seen but I've seen well, enough. I felt it's, very emotional in Thor too because it was I was filled with rage. And I like Thor too, but, but, but I also have to say kudos to the uh, you know what was this rated PG PG thirteen or something? So they get the fleeting X, <laughs> which the, is the yeah, first the line in the, the movie is a fleeting X. Thumbs up on that one. But that, <laughs> yeah. I remember that, that all the that language that's happening during the. the I don't even. Th- I don't think it's a throwaway scene because I think it's important to center us in this action. But this is the one where there are very few consequences. We're going to be attacking this fortress with people who have conv- who have machine guns of God for uh, a, for all things. It's an early video game thing level. Yeah, it's not like when the, it's it's it, it would be it would be very very weird if while we know that there is a plane that's headed towards Tower Two of the World Trade Center to say, well, you know, I, wow. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, this is the first flight I've always. I wish that be. I hope I don't be late for. It's like you're an idiot. Why are you? There are lives at stake. Why are you talking this uh, it's way? It's a comic book movie, though. That's what I feel like. It's because like that's that's the different scale. We use the phrase comic book movie so, in a derogatory. I am not using it. Derogatory. It's a tonal. I'm thing, saying no. that it's outside outside of this table. When people say comic book movie, they don't say, "Oh, so there's no depth. There's no involvement." When it's I say just a comic book movie. I'm talking about something that's larger than life and delightful. Where it should be, you know, there should be stakes. There should be consequences. But at the same time, like we want all of the Avengers to get out it of it all right. Fun. We want to have do. fun. We want to we want to be entertained and feel the highs and the lows. Star Wars is very quippy and it's why we love it because it's just as quippy as it is emotional. And it, if all of the characters were super serious and let's only say the things that are, you know, boy, would, like would, never tell me the odds. I, like come on, I would, it's I would, their job. I would say that I would say the Star Wars is much better made than an Avengers movie. I won't disagree with that, but I'm going to say of all the adjectives I would apply to the Man of Steel, fun is not anywhere near them. No, no, again, again <laughs> It wasn't. It was, but the, but there there were moments that again. I, I don't. I don't think that Man of Steel was a great movie. I thought. Well, it was, I thought it was. Better. We're on the that's same page. way to put it. Exactly. I thought. I thought. I thought it was better than the first Avengers movie. But the problems. Whoa. We hold these truths to be. Self- I thought this podcast was already saying, over. But I'm again, saying, I, I will. I will. I will reiterate my my yeah. reaction is incontrovertible. I was bored to hell so two thirds through the first Avengers everybody, movie. Please listen I was to not, Andy. Bo- I was not bored as hell. And during adjust the first statements accordingly. Man of Steel movie. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think you've got to have one of the things that humanizes these characters is that they have relationships and they do do some quips. And if they took it all dead seriously, it would be lifeless and boring and grim and terrible, like Man of Steel, which was a piece of junk. Well, uh, hang on, let me let me let me let me, def- let me defend Andy for a second because I think I, get, I know what he's getting at uh, with with the Man of Steel thing. I, I also didn't like Man of Steel, but mostly because of how it characterized Superman. I agree. Not so much like in the movie making, the early parts of Man of Steel, like it just had one character, and I think it was Man of Steel was. Better movie making 
than than the first. First Avengers. half of Man of Steel was better, very good. Better movie making. Like I don't just ignore the plot, ignore the fact that it's Superman. Just like go for like you know how how was it shot? How was the dialogue? It, it's a different kind of movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like. I, it was more stylized, I, I right. would say. And I thought it was more interesting visually. I thought I liked the pacing. Sure. I thought, you know, Zack Snyder went, does went some off, very interesting the, visuals. Went off the yes. rails at the end, but the, but the quippiness thing with Joss Whedon, right? Like, you go to war with the Joss Whedon you have. This is what you've got here, right? <laughs> what can Joss Whedon do well? If, they, if you get Joss Whedon in your movie and you don't let him do quips, like, why the hell do you even? Yeah, why is this true? Right? And so, it's like an Aaron Sorkin movie without dialogue. In, in this movie, I, in, in this movie, I feel like his <laughs> his good quips were good. My favorite joke in the entire movie is the visual ja- gag when Captain America and Iron Man are arguing and they're chopping wood, and Captain America just tears the log in half because he's frustrated yeah. and he's Captain America. And like, that's my favorite kind of quip. It's like you don't have to hit it on the head, but like. I don't know how well integrated those quips are with the rest of the movie. I get the feeling of like you know, like you going from going for scene action and then quip and then scene action and then quip. Mm-hmm. Like, but the, the good quips were good. Like they were Joss Whedon-y, right? If, if I can quickly qualify, it wasn't. I'm not objecting to the use of quips. I'm saying that there are so many times where I heard a quippy thing, it didn't feel like a character having a genuine dialogue. It felt like a screenwriter saying, "Oh, a joke just occurred to me. I'm going to type okay. it right here." I, I, I get that. I don't. I don't agree. Okay. I, I felt. I felt I mean, like these. We know these characters, and I, again, Andy, I have to say, I've seen all of these movies, and I feel like I know these characters, and these were coming from places. The reason the quips were enjoyable to me is that I felt like they were from the places I know these people, and that's exactly that's what they, would say. What they mm-hmm. should say. Given their relationships and given their history, and I was pretty amazed because I was on the lookout for the quips that are there just to add some levity while I'm punching somebody's face off that don't fly. And and I was impressed at the care that went into the quips, where I felt like these characters actually um, the the quips were the right quips for the situation, and and so it, so it, they totally worked. And I was on the lookout. For I was on well, Quip Watch, in fact, and also, I didn't. I didn't feel that way at all. Too that all these characters, and really any all characters and all Joss Whedon things that he's ever done, use humor and quips and dark humor and sarcasm as their way of dealing with heady situations, situations yeah. that are a bit like that is his thing. Every, is. And, and he basically makes the same movie over and over again. And I think like his core. If Buffy people were the right age to be that sarcastic and have those quips, but he does it no matter what movie you give him. Anybody you give him like. You know, old Indians in, in like in, in hundreds of years, he'll do the same damn thing. Because this is what he knows how to do. I agree. But like, but the Avengers, like with with these quips, it in story, it makes sense that they would be doing these things because that is the way they deal with the, with the difficulties of the situation. They also they also show some dealing with the other ways. So like, let's have down to earth talks with each other about do I feel okay with this? But in the heat of battle, the way they sublimate their feelings or express themselves or whatever is with this dark humor. And whether you think that fits. With a superhero character, I don't know, but it's how all Joss Whedon's characters act. Yeah, and and I have to underscore that I think that there are different perspectives when you have someone who is not someone who has seen this and who's not committed to the Marvel Cinema Universe. I see this as one movie that I'd like to go see in May, as opposed to a continuation of this uh, enjoyable investment that I've been making in these movies that I've been really, really liking. It's, it's, it takes uh, us back to the fundamental issue with this entire thing, which is it's not quite a movie as much as it is an, an installment and in and a movie not, series. And there's nothing wrong with that, because clear, clearly we, we, the, the news is this is number, the number two opening weekend in movie history. So it's not as though he's, that this movie is not finding an audience of people who really, really enjoy this movie. 
Yeah, well, although the, the you know they buy the tickets before they see the movie. I, it's it's not that <laughs> that's is true. Yeah. But I see the Avengers movies as capstones rather than movies in them in of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Marvel's sort of builds and their phases as like a good meal, you've got like you've got the the various entrees that are the single person movies and the Avengers movies are the dessert are the like wholehearted you know what we know these characters we know this environment we love this environment we have presumably bought into it because we have seen all of the other movies this is kind of a two and a half hour way of being like hey wouldn't it be cool if all of our favorite superheroes that we've known and loved just kind of get together and hang out and Jason's touching his nose with his Mike was right anyway right keep going yeah <laughs> Gotta rub it in. No, I, I honestly, I, for me, an Avengers movie does not have to be pinnacles of greatness. It has to be fun. It has to have characters that I know and love, and it has to be plausible. And they're definitely like, there are definitely plot holes in this, and I'm not gonna stare too closely at them because honestly, I like this, this was my dessert. This was my happy time. And then we'll see what phase three has in store. Are you sure it's dessert and not like the feeling when you're in bed after? Oh, I shouldn't have eaten them. No, no, it's, <laughs> I should not have eaten that much. <laughs> For the, for the Jews out there, it's like the offy comb, and you're supposed to let the taste linger in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also, uh, my ambition is that I, w- I would like to have superhero movies that are more ambitious, that try to be more like a conventional movie. But that's only one way to make that movie. It's possible to have. I was I was thinking about this on the way into the into the theater that maybe one of the reasons why I'm not responding to some of these Marvel movies is that I am expecting it to be like a sit down dinner. When this is more like a buffet experience where there's going to be elements that you're that are good elements that you like less. You're not supposed to see it as a really engineered meal so much as a positive two and a half hour long experience. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I do think that with something like Guardians of the Galaxy, we see Marvel trying something that is a, a different kind of approach to to, again, what commerce makes a you know blockbuster tentpole kind of movie that that's just how it is but within that do some things that are different this is this is i agree with serenity part of it is this is the capstone this is quite frankly the 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 uh, issues of a comic where all of the characters get together and interact those are never the best stories either it's fun to watch them interact but the story is kind of beside the point and it's not and this is like that this is it's fun to see them interact in something and but it only really works i think if they've earned it with you having known these characters before like i feel like you really need to have seen winter soldier and internalized it and understood it and taken it into your soul for you to watch this movie because it really doesn't make a lot of sense without knowing where where the characters are after Winter Soldier, especially. Yeah, this balance between, like, ensemble cast, you want to have dramatic moments, you want them to be quippy, you want to have good action scenes, that's actually a fairly difficult formula to, to, to pull off. I'm trying to think of other movies that have done it well. Uh, I mean, Empire Strikes Back has come as the obvious example, but it's pared down. There's action scenes, there's personal drama, there's quips, and they balance it in the right... And Guardians of the Galaxy is like, let's go way towards the humor side. And But even that is a difficult balance, because then we, when we're talking about that movie, it's like, well, the more serious scenes, like, can I really take this bad guy seriously in this movie? Like, <laughs> like it's so difficult to, like, where do you find that line? And in that way, it's almost like, not that it's easier, but, like, Batman Begins is more of, like, a solid, straight yeah, down yeah, the middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. serious, like, movie, and, like... It has its humor value. It has its dry humor, or whatever. But like, they figured out a balance that you look at Batman's Begins and it works all the way through. It's just one decent thing. Mm-hmm. Where trying to do the balance where you're somewhere in the middle, like I mean, I guess maybe Die Hard is an example. That's mm-hmm. very small cast, but like, can you balance drama, investment in action scenes with quips? It's 
very super hard to do. And, and service seven characters and all of that. Yeah, it's very I hard. Mean, you know, just just mm-hmm. keep studying Empire Strikes um, Back. Before we go, I, I do want to mention: do, do people have any thoughts about um, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch? Because they were they were in this movie too, and we and you know we had to we had to find a way to introduce oh, them and uh, and the, have them do some stuff. Scarlet Witch was like her character. I feel like got got a little bit screwed. Like, I mean, they, they tried to give her an arc, but very, very frequently, the one that really bothered me the most is she, they, she has the conversation with, uh, with Hawkeye and she comes, you know, she's going to come out. She does. She comes out, she's made her decision and she's going to be she, an Avenger. She's going to be the Scarlet Witch. She does her badass things in slow motion. Then, <laughs> then Hawkeye looks it's over her and gives her the nod. And the next scene, they have the expression on this poor actress's face is like looking to Hawkeye for approval. And she's a little dopey little dog again. And maybe next, oh. if you see it more than two times, watch it. Like she goes like, did I do good? Am I all right? It's like, well, no, she, she's, she's scared. She's scared out of her mind. And damaged from being uh, experimented on and being, that's totally appropriate though. That's <laughs> totally appropriate for someone, someone. If you drop me into a combat situation that I've never been in, I will probably, and I see that the entire world is going completely to hell. I know that I'm partly responsible for it because I helped out in the early stages of it. I might need a bit of a pet pop pep talk too. And I think that the trick with this, with developing those characters is also, we got them as a unit, right? And it's like, to a certain extent, you have to split time and no one, they're not going to, you can't just be like, oh, they have the exact same story. Their father was, their parents were killed. It's like, yes, we do have some story and they each sort of like chime in on it, but it's really hard to get full arcs out of both of them. And so I think, I think Scarlet Witch actually gets a better treatment than Quicksilver, who is like, yeah, I get to make it, I have to go to Gruff and speak in Russian accent. And that's pretty much it. My complaint about Scarlet Witch wasn't that she was scared in the building. It was after that, after she comes out, She's supposed to have made her decision and, and like become self-actualized and become empowered and decided what she's going to do. But immediately after that, she's back. Like I, that I felt, felt like, real to me, though. Yeah. That felt very much well, like. So did I do good, boss? Yeah. Well, no. It, it, <laughs> honestly, it didn't look like she was. Can I? You know, am am I doing well? It what to me? I like I noticed that expression and it very very much registered in my brain. But it looked as like I'm going to do this and I'm going to be an Avenger. But that doesn't mean that I am not terrified out of my mind because mm-hmm. I still have major PTSD from when I, you I, know a shell fell down I, next I, to yeah. me and almost you know yeah. I don't know Scarlet Witch's story, but I'm, maybe I'm going all X Men on it and like the idea. <laughs> The, 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 the idea the, the idea that like but these people who have this kind of power especially with like the telekinesis and mind control that it's like they don't know how far it goes and it usually yeah. goes really 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 far in a scary way and the people with this power inevitably seems like they become consumed by it because yep. it's kind of that type of power that's going to make you destroy the entire world and kill everybody and well it's that's like, kind of what happens to Scarlet yeah, Witch I see, <laughs> I, see I see her traveling oh. along that arc but in this movie she's like I expected her to travel farther along the dark. Basically, well, I expected her to sort of come into her powers and realize that, like you know, that she is much more powerful than she thinks when she when she puts her mind to it, right, in the correct way, and that it's slowly the power. That's slowly another movie. To that's a, that's yeah. a, she'll learn about that later. Later, but again, I, I there was also a long stable period when you know Vision and the Scarlet Witch led the Avengers, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. And there was peace in our time. And there was peace in our time. And uh, yeah, robots. Wasn't, wasn't that the period in which the Vision went nuts and formed the West Coast Avengers as a diversionary tactic and then took over yeah. every single computer in the world to try to unite them? That was them later. In but, much, but, much the same plot you'd have to be, turned out to be but, this but, movie. You have to be nuts to start a West but, but, Coast version. Come on, yeah, guys. Or the Great Lakes. Any, anything that puts Tigra in a monthly series... I'm a fr- yeah. I approve of. Yeah, and that's and, worth eighty five cents for my money. And then there's House of M. Well, it's also like X Men in that they were also mutants, but you can't call them mutants in this movie because that's a totally <laughs> different. Uh, Fox's lawyers would like a property. Nicely so converted Marvel yeah, mm-hmm. they are. They've been their stats were upgraded from fourth edition to fifth edition. Yeah. It's a very but, but important. But that is thing. like that's the. Uh, 
that's a different arc than the than the other Marvel heroes. I feel like that's more of an X Men arc, and I don't know. Like X Men has all the X Men arcs are very similar, and I think that has a good solid theme in it. And but this movie is like Thor's arc has very little overlap with Captain America's arc. Yeah, like Thor, Asgard, Thor, and World War II. Thor is here. Thor is here to be Thor and be funny and make quips. Thor's and gonna Thor have the hammer and set up future movies. And I, I would say he does have an arc. His arc is not about this movie so much, <laughs> yeah. but he does he's, have something he's to do. Through they could he have is, like yeah. Nick Fury is like on his way to like a season finale for Agents of Shield. Yep. And stops off in the barn. Yeah, know? just gotta go. You know, but again, you gotta. It's tough to have a, to give those again. It comes back can, to it's tough to get all those characters. Can, can, in can we do a brief time. a brief shout out for a lot of the? I thought the cameos. You know, I did enjoy a lot of these smaller ones. I enjoyed Don Cheadle. As yeah, War Don Cheadle was really good. I enjoyed Anthony Mackie as Falcon, who I'm good glad to see, to see they're both now Avengers. Did you enjoyed Natalie Portman's appearance. Oh wait, no, she <laughs> couldn't afford her. Yeah. Uh, no, but she's better. Stellan Skarsgård comes back. Yeah. I mean, like we pretty much dragged in like secondary characters from yeah. all the previous independent movies. Maria Hill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of. I enjoyed I, it. I understand they have created a rich universe. I just feel like, it, and I totally. I want to see a TV show, 26 episodes with there, all there is these one. actors. There's <laughs> with all these actors. Yeah. No, they can't afford that. Action set pieces. Like, I wonder if that's going to come. At some, at some point, you have to wonder if it would be better. It would be better off to spend money for these actors to do an eight episode Netflix that's series. What I was I mean, yeah, that's what I was trying to be. Like, look at Daredevil. And it's yeah. like, okay, or, if you're going to make a 13 hour movie, with just the same effects. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, true. you only get these if you do it in a movie. Why can't you have all these but, people in a television show? Just like, you know, eventually you're going to say. We can't make any more Avengers movies. They're ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah, but if as long as people are still breaking box office records to go see them, they're not going yeah. to put them on Netflix anytime soon. Yep. I but mean, I think more likely we might get a you know, we might sooner get a return to Flash Gordon serials yeah. than we would uh, than we would actual. Uh, but that yeah. that that actually intrigues me. If he's a, a lot of a lot of movies get made because not because they offered an actor a lot of money, but but simply said this will only take two and a half weeks of your time, and you're not doing anything, and we can give you five or six million dollars for one month, so one month of your time, and if. We did this. If you did this on a Netflix budget, where you do not have the option of having ninety minutes of just action, 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 where to save money in, in a way, you have to have people sitting down and talking and sort of hashing out a plot. That might be something that would intrigue me more than Avengers three. I think the downside is that a lot of the stuff that we see on TV these days also then like veers towards the gritty. So it's like, oh yeah, HBO does a does an Avengers. Series. Oh god, I don't no. want to see the HBO Even Avengers the Flash series. Is not gritty, right? Well, that's no. about it. That's the closest that we've got. I think you look at something like Daredevil, right? And it's like Daredevil is yeah. is pretty dark. It's funny at points, but it's, it's it pretty dark. It couldn't afford a lot of lights, in that <laughs> right? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's New York, Hell's Kitchen. There's it's not, not, not very yeah. nice. But I think I think you're right. I would love to see an Avenger series like this that you could sort of spin out into an entire long series. And, and I think that that, for better or worse, this genre has been relegated to the blockbuster movie rather than being something we do on the TV, perhaps with the exception of The Flash, which I think is trying to do something very similar. Josh Whedon did a very good job telling superhero stories in a in a TV format. It was called Buffy, Buffy the, the Vampire, Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was how many years ago now? What <laughs> <laughs> one of the six identical identical in sequence trailers we saw before this was the Ant Man movie. And I'm, I, it would really please me a lot if it really did turn out to be action-oriented and some drama, but mostly, okay, for God's sakes, he's called Ant-Man and he's about this tall. Let's, let's, let's assume we're not talking about saving the entire world, but solving a problem where an ex-con has to have the proportional strength of a human in, yeah. in an ant-sized body. Okay, we are about out of time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask anybody if they've got last thoughts before we sign off. Serena, do you have last thoughts? I'm really excited to see Scarlet Witch going forward because I thought that 
um, you know, quibbles aside, her powers are very interesting. We haven't seen a lot of inhuman, you know, advanced type powers in this universe as of yet. We've seen, you know, gods. We've seen people who have experimental strength uh, or, you know, been experimented on. But we, we really haven't seen people who were born with crazy powers. Yeah, I and, think it's unclear, though, if she is actually just experimented on like uh, like yeah. Captain America. Well, depending, depending on how, I mean, and also I think we have to see the rest of uh, this season of S.H.I.E.L.D., but what S.H.I.E.L.D. seems to be hinting at is that Hydra was basically collecting... Uh, inhumans. Yeah. yeah. They, are, they aren't called inhumans yet, surprise. But, like, collecting enhanced people and experimenting on them. And that the twins were the only people who survived said experiments. Right. Which isn't mentioned in the movie. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see the new, the next generation of Avengers. I'm really interested to see what Phase 3 has in store. I really like the fact that the like as much as I'm kind of bummed that the vision kind of had really short shrift because there was no real time to explain it. Um, I like that he is a bridge between the normal and the super hyper fantastical. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a better bridge in a way than Thor is because he connects to the galactic a lot better with the mind stone or the mind. Are we calling it gems? Gem. Gems. Yeah. With the mind gem. Um in a way that, like, Thor, you know, Asgard is alien and sort of connected, but still feels very silly, whereas Vision feels silly, but also, you know, we've got a, we've got a root because, hey, he was Jarvis once. We loved Jarvis, but also he's carrying around crazy alien technology, so maybe the Vision will show up in Guardians of the Galaxy, too. Who knows? But, uh, but I feel like it, it, I don't know. It's an, it's, I, I really like where things are going. Marvel has yet to really let me down with the movie. I, Look forward to seeing the next round. I'm looking forward to Thanos doing anything. I feel like (laughs) Thanos has been He's a being that lives only in credits and on asteroids. I just feel like he has been lurking around the corner for, like, at this point, a a large percentage of my life. Yes. (laughs) Wait, in this one we saw him put on a glove. Next end credit, another glove. Next end credit, boot. Socks. Socks first, Dan. It's a very slow reverse strip tease. (laughs) Again, knowing nothing about the comics... He looks so darky to me. He looks like he yeah. looks like a cartoon villain drawn in like a Scooby Doo. I do. He's a cartoon villain. <laughs> yeah. He is literally a cartoon. It's not a cartoon. That's animated. But like, like they gave him the big chin and like yeah. I don't know. He he does not interest me as a villain at all thus far. I get. I've well, he hasn't credits, done anything. So he hasn't so. done anything. But he, he oh no, he was he sat in that he was on chair. Skype. He was, he was on the Skype. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. yeah, he yelled at people in that chair. He he needs to start doing stuff and less delegating slash talking to credits. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, again, I like this movie a lot more than I like the first one, uh, and I, I hope this is a continued upward trend, although it's kind of interesting to think of, I don't know whose contracts are expiring soon, because I know that they lock them into very long-term yeah. contracts. but They seem to have renegotiated many of them. We thought we were not yeah. seeing them anymore. Be, so. I, I, I wonder what happens when, if, if it's a good thing they don't have a, a churn rate on their actors, or if it's a bad thing. Well, the end of this movie suggests, okay, we have new Avengers now, and that Tony yeah. Stark may not be around so much and all that. I think that's good. I think yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tony Stark's arc has been done. I mean, Iron Man 3 shows yeah. a pretty clear arc to that. I think it's great that he's here, and I think he's not going anywhere. We didn't kill him off, right? No. There's no finality he's gonna to that. He's going to be in the next Captain America, apparently. Right, and so I think what we'll end up seeing is, like, we'll have a new Avengers team probably in, in <laughs> Infinity War Part 1, and you'll have a lot of, like, other people that we haven't necessarily seen yet, perhaps. Yeah. And then you'll, like, be like, oh, man, this Thanos guy, bad news. We better bring all those other guys well, in. We, yeah. we, we might have a situation where by Avengers 4, it's like, uh-oh, they... Ted McGinley is now playing like another superhero. Yeah. Okay, it's done. <laughs> but I, I, I agree that I really like seeing the new sort of Avengers come in. Um, I really, 
I thought that I, I really enjoyed this movie for the most part. I, you know, there were parts that I think felt a little like a little more fewer ups and downs. There's more level to it. And that didn't always like get me like, oh, yeah, this is great. I wasn't always like this most engaged in some of the fight scenes. But I love the character interactions. And that is what I come for. And it's yeah. for me that totally delivered in that way. And as long as they can continue to sort of produce great movies where these characters are interesting and interact with each other and are fun. And that is the key word for me always come back to is fun. I've seen a lot of superhero movies that are not fun. <laughs> I don't need to see any more of those. So uh, thumbs up. Looking forward to future Marvel endeavors. I fear for any future movies of this type not made with the talent that is involved with this. Like, as soon as they take away Joss Whedon, I don't know what his deal is in his contract. But He's like, already gone. Yeah. yeah right. he, he's assume, on a two-year right. deal that so, ended, like, May 1st. I can't, like, <laughs> this is a high degree of difficulty. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very difficult for the next guy to match. That's, that's why they got two people. Yeah, the, Russo, yeah. the Russo brothers who did Winter Soldier, which was a very, I would, yeah, I would say maybe lower, the best Marvel movie, but lower degree of difficulty. Definitely. Like I, I, I wonder, I, I already said, I enjoy the single character movies better than, than the multi ones and a multi one, not involving Joss Whedon, not involving all these great actors who I love, not like just, it could just be dreadful. So I really am fearing yeah. the next one, but this one you should go see because it's worth seeing. I will point out that the Russos are not, you know, they're not um, exactly not, or un, un, well, not infamous. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But uh, they directed a bunch of Arrested Development episodes, and they've, they've been around in terms <laughs> of the humor spectrum. they work on Community or Game of mm-hmm. Thrones or something? Yeah, too, they, they're... Um, I, I think there is a distinct possibility that in the future we will look back at the two first two Avengers movies and say... Turns out Joss Whedon did about as good as anybody could expect, right? And, and, and not it's so much entirely the, possible. Not so much the quips, but just because he, he's so experienced to like to figure out how you get these, just to basically putting together the plot. Because this is pretty tight in terms. There was like single lines that were payoff for certain plot points and making it clear. Like he did as well as you could do. Like just just putting the puzzle pieces together, just storyboarding it out, just saying what is going to happen and what is going to lead to what to yeah. what to what. Even that is really hard to do. And I think Joss Whedon by this point having been like a script doctor and, you know, done television and done movies like you need that kind of resume to be able to just pull this off at a mediocre level. This is three years, like two or three years work for Joss Whedon. He could, you know, he could have written uh, 20 episodes of Buffy over the course of three <laughs> seasons of that show. Right. And all of that got distilled into the work on this on this and this film. And, and you know, I probably would rather have seen whoa. him doing a show for a couple of years instead. But, you know, whoa, 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 that's guys. kind of the guy. Uh, Justice League is all I'm going to say. It's clearly <laughs> going to blow this well, out we'll of the see. water. <laughs> we will see. We shall see. It'll be very interesting. Okay, we uh, are going to wrap it up. It has been a pleasure to have everybody here in person to talk. And, of course, we all saw it together. We didn't record during the theater uh, presentation because you couldn't have heard us over oh, the explosions. Yeah. Uh, I would like to thank all of my guests for being here today around the table. Tony Sindelar, thank you. Incomparable disassemble. Uh, Dan Morin, thank you for being here and letting us use your home. No disassemble. <laughs> John Syracuse, thank you. So in the next movie, does he fill in the little gem holes on his knuckles or what? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a game. It's like uh, like uh, mastermind. It's like Legos or masterminds. The longest slow motion dressing up of one hand in the history yep. of cinema. Mm-hmm. Yep. Andy Anako, thank you. I semi enjoyed the mismatched pile of miscolored Legos snapped B together that formed plus? Avengers Two. I, I I didn't. I guess I'm, I'm trying. I'm try, I seem to be drifting towards. I didn't not like it. <laughs> I, I, I semi I semi enjoyed it, I, and I I will say that part of it was because I changed my expectations of this movie. Feel like a B plus. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Strong recommendation from Andy and Iko. You heard it here. Answer Andy Caldwell. Fit that on the side Thank of a bus you. head. Yeah, you know, I, I could just shoot. Andy and, <laughs> and no, no one would know. Ultron just fell on him, you know. <laughs>
Yeah, but if it's an Avenger sort of killing, then we wouldn't find out what happened or what happened to the gun. To be continued, Ian. Anyway, thank you to everybody out there for listening. I've been your host, Jason Snell. Thanks to everybody for uh, coming tonight once again, and we will see you next week with an episode that was recorded in our individual homes where we can be alone with ourselves. Good night. <laughs>